what we do, we just go out and we swarm. We play together and uh, we care about each other and it makes it easy to go out there and fight. CCR 69, July 15th, 2009. This edition of Cat Crave Radio was brought to you by FantasyCPR.com. Fantasy football will kick off soon. Prepare yourself to dominate your league at FantasyCPR.com. Welcome to Cat Crave Radio. There it is! There it is! A show by the fans and for the fans of the Carolina Panthers. You don't think I want the best? You better check your reference. Coming up in this episode, we begin our trip through the blogosphere with Sean Boyette of Cat Scratch Reader. And we'll talk to Joe Dexter for a final check on the Panthers' fantasy football fortunes. Now, buckle your chin straps because it's time for kickoff. Here is your host for CCR, John White. Welcome to another edition of Cat Crave Radio. Thanks for making us a part of your day. The clock is ticking and training camp will be here before we know it. It's not like we're counting, but players will be reporting on August 2nd. That only gives us a little over two weeks to kill. Now there's a deadline approaching, or has it passed us by? Wednesday is, or was, the deadline to get Julius Peppers signed up to a long-term deal. If that deadline comes and goes without a new contract in place, Julius would have to play this season for the pay outlined in his franchise tender and would not be able to negotiate a new contract with the Panthers until January. More problems with the cap could also hit the team next season, if they're forced to once again franchise Peppers, as they would hit their books for more than 20 million bucks. It looks a lot like a one-year deal and a contract year once again for JPEP. But while nothing's going on on the field, there is some news off of it. For the second time in as many months, Thomas Davis had his name in the papers and not for the best of reasons. Last weekend, Davis's 1975 Chevrolet Caprice Classic, which had been parked in front of his home in the Providence Plantation community of Charlotte, was reported stolen. Now, this was not just any car. It had been completely decked out to include a steering wheel which sported a football in Davis's likeness. That's not all. Pictures of the purple ride on the net also gave us all a good look at the automobile's distinctive wheels and other upgrades. The whole package was worth as much as $136,000, according to Davis. Apparently, the car disappeared from the driveway between 1.30 a.m. and 10 a.m. last Saturday. Though the car should be easy to spot, police have released the tag number, which is HA73SN. Now, you may recall that Davis and his wife were involved in an incident in May at a McDonald's drive through near Matthews, North Carolina. Another driver yelled at them and waved a gun. It was later learned that the assailant had been brandishing a BB gun. And so, with the lack of news and no activity on the field, we want to check in once again on how things should be going this season for the Panthers' key players. How will they stack up in the ever-popular fantasy football world? Well, to find out, let's check in once again with our friend from FantasyCPR.com, Joe Dexter. Joe, thanks for joining us. No problem, John. Always a pleasure. Last week we covered uh, the defense, we covered Smitty, we started, uh, actually talked about D'Angelo Williams. This week, let's start it off with one of the weaknesses of the team, the tight ends. What do you see going on with the tight ends this year in fantasy football? How do they rank among the league's pass-catching tight ends? 
let's just say this about the Panthers tight ends. It's not about their talent. It's just the way that the offense is running. I think, in my opinion, none of them are being drafted in any mock drafts by any analysts out there. When you look at a guy like Dante Rosario, 18 receptions last year in only 16 games, that's a bit low, but there's some hope out there. Average per catch is 11.6, and if he, for some reason, is used more often next year, he could become valuable. One of those guys that you maybe pick up off the waiver wire, he's definitely a guy to watch if you have an injured tight end or if you need to pick one up on a bye week. Uh, if you look at the Carolina Panthers offense, it's not the same as, say, when Wesley Walls was there in the late 90s. If there's a strength for the Carolina Panthers, it's their running game. We know their offensive line is strong. Last week even we talked about D'Angelo Williams. Let's talk about either refer to him as his understudy or his backup, however you want to you know to mention him. But it's Jonathan Stewart last year uh, setting a rookie record uh, for rushing yards for uh, for the Panthers. He may or may not see more carries this year, and they're really not talking about it a whole lot. But where do you see Jonathan Stewart stacking up among the league's running backs. This is a guy that's going in the 5th, 6th, 7th rounds and is becoming a score for a lot of people. If you look at a lot of the analysts out there, the latest mock draft with the analyst has the same guy that took D'Angelo Williams in the first round. He's taking Stewart in the 5th round because it's a good piggyback system. He banged it up a lot last year. He was banged up, excuse me. He carried the ball at least 10 times in 9 games last year and in those 9 games he had 678 yards and 9 touchdowns. That's one touchdown per game. That's a pretty good average. And when you throw that in with D'Angelo Williams, what he's able to do, definitely a first-round type running back, you get a lot of production. Say you miss out maybe in that fourth round on guys like Ryan Grant or Reggie Bush or maybe a Kevin Smith from Detroit. If you miss out at those guys in the fourth, you get a good guy that's going to carry the ball. Maybe not as many receptions, only eight receptions last year for 47 yards, but still you're getting great value in the fifth, sixth, or seventh round. Now, Jay Stu last year, despite a lot of carries or lacking carries during the year, um, he was able to get in the end zone, I believe, 10 times, uh, had a good year scoring. Do you see his touchdown numbers raising his um, his value in fantasy football? Let's just say this, John. They're not going to fall. 10 touchdowns last year. He's going to have just about that amount. I can see up to 15 possibly touchdowns if they he gets the carries down at the goal line for the Panthers. 4.5 average on the ground. That's pretty good for a guy that's known to bang it into the end zone. So I think that he's, if he gets more carries, he's used more at the goal line. Definitely 10 to 15 touchdowns should be expected in 2009. Okay, next up the guy that some fans love, some fans love to hate, and that's Jake DeLome. Where does Jake stack up on the list of quarterbacks? Well, you know that great media conglomerate over there at ESPN has him ranked 20th out of all the quarterbacks in the NFL going in drafts. Money leagues, he's only a dollar auction guy, a guy you're going to take a flyer on. I think a lot of it's based on just that inter, or excuse me, that playoff performance where he threw five interceptions. I think a lot of people are, are perceiving that, hey, that is the new Jake DeLome, and I don't think that's the case. He returns from Tommy John surgery last year. It went okay in 2008. He had, he had zip on the ball, 7.9 yards per attempt. That's pretty good for Jake DeLome throughout his career. It tied him with Matt Ryan for the fourth best mark in the NFL. But still, he's not going very high. 60% of his throws were completed. I, I don't know what the situation is with him. I don't think that he's going to go drafted in a lot of analyst leagues. He's not being drafted right away. But he is a good backup. I think this is a guy that 
their analysts are expecting 16 touchdowns, one more than last year, 12 interceptions, the same amount as he had last year. I think he's going to throw the 12 interceptions. That's expected, but I don't think I think he can get 20 to 22 touchdowns in 2009. I think it's going to be a possibly a bounce back year for Jake Delhomme. Joe Dexter, Joe is the uh, editor, the lead writer over at fantasycpr.com, and if you're looking for fantasy advice, you want to dominate your league this year. Uh, go over there and visit with Joe and uh, check out some of the analysis and get yourself ready for the Fantasy League this season. Joe, we appreciate you joining us. No problem, John. And if anybody wants to contact me, they can go through the Fantasy CPR voice line. You can find that on Fantasy CPR. You can also email us at fantasycpr at gmail.com. All right. Thanks again, Joe. No problem. You can't hear us on the radio, but we can be heard worldwide across the web. We are CCR. Hi, this is Carl Edwards here for RAD, the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You want to make a difference? It's simple. Be responsible. Plan ahead. Designate before you celebrate. Friends don't let friends drive drunk. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. We want to know what's on your mind. Send us an email at catcraveradio at gmail.com. Again, that's catcraveradio at gmail.com. Now, back to more CCR. Joining us now is Sean Boyette. Sean is one of the writers over at catscratchreader.com. Sean, thanks for joining us. Hey, John. How are you doing today? Doing great. I'm going to start you off with the big one. The story this offseason and we can get this out of the way early, and that's Julius Peppers and all of his drama. He's become sort of the drama queen, I guess. Did What happened with him, the way he wanted out of town, the way he wanted to go play somewhere else, did that change how you feel about him as a fan? Well, I don't really know what to say about Julius Peppers. It sort of came as a cannonball out of nowhere. I mean, since the season ended, he sort of, you know got his agent out there and started fussing about, you know, oh, I'm, it wasn't more, it wasn't more like I'm not being paid enough, it was just like I have reached, I have um, reached my potential with the Carolina Panthers, and first off, you know, how do you, how do you really explain that, I don't know, and he was talking about, oh, I want to go and be a linebacker somewhere else, that can be put up to date on whether he has a, uh, whether he is, has the potential to do that, but as far as it makes as far as uh, how I feel about Julius Peppers now, you know, it's pretty much done and over with. You know, it'd be the it'd be the ultimate irony if he gets uh, re-signed to new contract now that he's done all this fussing. But you know, he's got his contract. He has his uh, franchise tender done, and he's going to be paid a lot of money. And I think I think because he's has that one year deal, he's gonna go out, he's going to do what he does, he's going to get 15, 16 sacks for the year, and he's going to be really good help for the Carolina Panthers' defensive rush this year. Okay, when the team is introduced at home the first time, and especially if the team elects to have the defense introduced before the game, I can imagine there'll be a few fans up there in their seats, or maybe not even using their seats, and probably booing Julius Peppers, but do you think at first they're going to, because I'm sure there are going to be some that are against him, will they sort of come around to his side and start seeing things his way and cheering for him as the season goes on, or will there be 
in your mind you think there'll be people that just are against Julius Peppers and that have turned on him? Well, I think it's, I think of course there, there are going to be a lot of fans that don't like him at the beginning of the year. You know, he's come out and he has just pretty much created this big veil of distrust between him and the fans. I think the biggest thing he can do to save his, himself right now, a whole lot of grief, is he needs to get his rear end on the field and he starts, start, he needs to start producing. He needs to go out there, start making plays. Everybody's going to forget everything he said. Uh, the first sack he makes in the first game against the, um, I think it's the Eagles they play. Once he starts out, once they, once they get out and they start, he starts making plays on the field, they're going to forget all about that. All right, we got kind of a two-part thing here. We'll start with, as I call it, the meltdown. Let's start with the meltdown part one. The defense just collapsed right at the end of the season. The secondary looked bad. There was actually a lot less pressure up front on on opposing quarterbacks coming into 09 we've got a new guy in charge and ron meek's taking over do you think that he can turn this thing around this season well i think he'll be able to turn it around yeah so i think we'll see a whole new face on the defensive side of the ball ron meek's coming in from the colts as a defensive coordinator he was known to produce units that was classified by their speed. I believe we're going to see a whole lot more running to the ball. Our players are going to act faster, react quicker. And I think as a result, we're going to have our interceptions go um, go way up. I think that we're going to have uh, Everett Brown especially, which I think that was Ron Meek's uh, uh, home-warming present to come come from the Colts. I think that that was a nice little housewarming presence and that they're going to have a whole lot more speed come in from the defensive end on Everett Brown's side. And I think that, yeah, basically that's it. I think that they're going to be a whole lot more faster than than the defensive unit we brought from last year. All right, and then we go to the meltdown part two. Maybe the second biggest story of this offseason, can Jake recover going into 09? Uh, I think Jake can recover. I think that he had, I think his biggest thing was that, I don't know what it was with the bye weeks, you know, he came back from the bye week during the regular season against the Oakland Raiders, you know. He threw four interceptions, only made one touchdown. He really, really stunk up the field. And I think that and he did the same thing against the Cardinals, of course. We all remember that game. We all hated to watch it. I think that, you know, I think it's a bad, they were just bad games, you know. They, it was, a lot of it was because, especially against the game of the Cardinals, they only gave the ball to DeAndre Williams to run 12 times. And a lot of it was during the latter parts of the game when the what was already we're already way up against the Panthers, and there's no way we could have um, come back and win the game. And when you carry that much of your offense on one side, continuously giving the ball to Jake, throw it, throw it, throw it, it just, you know, it's tough to give. I mean, he's no Peyton Manning. It's tough to continue to give him the ball and expect plays. Well, there seems to be, and, and this league is a, it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. We know that no coach in the team's history has ever had back-to-back winning seasons, uh, John Fox included, 
as successful as he has been, but there there seem to be two schools, two groups out there that, and and there's almost no gray area in between. They either love John Fox or they hate John Fox. There are very few people that say, well, you know, meh, whatever. Are you a believer in him? Do you like John Fox? I am I am a believer in John Fox, yes. After all, he was the guy that came in in 03 and got us to the Super Bowl. And I think that the game during the Cardinals that he called, I believe that was a horribly called game. You know, I can understand you want to establish the passing game early in the postseason, but when you, you know, when you give the ball to Jake that many times to throw, I, I didn't believe in his, um, they call the coaching staff, John Fox includes, called a horrible game on both sides of the ball, and I, I didn't believe in that game plan. You know, they let Larry Fitzgerald run all over the field, they let, um, uh, they, they let Jake DeLome throw the ball all those times, and he continuously looked down the field to Steve Smith, you know, I believe, I am a believer in John Fox. I believe that was just a bad game that they called, and I believe that he will come back next year, and, you know, things will get back to normal, and we'll know John Fox more for his aggressive defense than we do for his quarterback uh, blowups. All right, now looking ahead to this season, we've got a, a, a major Oh, kind of an uptick in who we're playing. I mean, it's this is a killer schedule. One of the worst, or rather one of the toughest two schedules in the league. What is your, if you if you had to just pinpoint one thing, what's your biggest concern coming into this season? Well, I'm, I, I'm more con- I'm concerned about how our running game will react, because when you when we, we much, much easier schedule last year, and we faced a lot of defenses that were real easy to run against. And and this year we're facing, I mean, we're facing the Eagles. We're going up against uh, the Giants again. I mean, we have, we are we are literally loaded with week after week after week of tough teams that are really strong against the run. And I'm just, I believe that D'Angelo Williams will have a good year. I believe that he'll eclipse a thousand yards and Jonathan Stewart will give him good help as his backup, but I'm really worried about our um, our rushing game taking a step ga- down, and I, I'm interested to see how Jake Blum will react to that and how um, how our passing game will if if it can keep up with our rushing. Okay, I'm going to give you a chance for a bottom line. Let's let's just let's go right to the to the heart of the matter. In your opinion. What do you think Carolina's record will be this season, and how far do you think they'll go? I believe that they'll get a record at around eleven and five, ten and six, and I I believe they'll take a step back from last year. Not because they're they're a worse off team, but just because of the strength of the schedule. The strength they're just facing too many good teams that they're not gonna that they're gonna they're gonna face. Many more close losses this year. I believe that when it all comes down to it, the Panthers will get into the playoffs via a wild card. And even though they have a tough schedule, and even though they are facing a whole lot of teams that can um, that can provide a tough challenge, I believe that they are a Super Bowl contender this year. And that they can, that they have a chance to go again, just like last year, and run for a championship. 
Well, Sean, we appreciate you being with us. And, and actually, before we let you go, um, I'm curious if um, if you'd be willing to stick around for a, a boom or bust segment. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. Let's do that. Cool. I'm ready. All right. We'll be back with uh, Sean Boyette of Cat Scratch Reader and our boomer bust in just a moment. Don't click the stop button yet. We have more CCR coming up. The Fansided.com Sports Network. You play to win the game. Where diehard fans dish out nonstop news and views on their favorite teams. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? Fandom has no off-season. So he sucks you guys right in. So consider yourself sucked. Neither do we. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown them. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Fansided.com, the number one pro sports blog network on the internet. It's time once again. In fact, it's the return of the game that's sweeping the nation. It's time for Boom or Bust. And joining us this week is our special guest, Mr. Sean Boyette of CatScratchReader.com. Sean, are you ready to play the game? I am ready, John. Let's do it. All right, let's start you off with D'Angelo Williams. 1,500 yards last year did a pretty good job. I believe that he'll, I believe he is a boom this year. He's not going to be as good as he is last year, and I'm not sure if he's worth um, the first round in all your fantasy drafts, but I believe he will. Um, he'll get around that. Uh, 1,300 yards, maybe close to mm, 15 touchdowns. He will be a boom this year. John Beeson. He is a definite boom. I, I see him as becoming the next Dan Morgans on the Carolina Panthers defense, but without the injury risk that he brings just uh, every year. I believe that he will make a whole lot of tackles, and I believe his interceptions in particular is bound to go up. Richard Marshall. So I think he is a bust. I am not sure that he'll be a good replacement for Ken Lucas. The jury is still out on him, especially with Chris Gamble on the other side. Richard Marshall is going to have a big old target from his back, from those opposing quarterbacks. How about the 36-year-old Musin Muhammad? I think that he's going to be a bust this year. He is getting way up there in age. and He had an awesome year last year, you know, really contributed running game with his blocks, but I think that you're going to have a, see him step down later in the year, and we might have um, Dwayne Jarrett come, come up and take his spot in the lineup. Okay, how about the rookie Everett Brown? I am not sure on that one. I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and label him a boom. He might not start at the beginning of the year. He might, uh, we might give way for Tyler Brayton. I think that um, he'll start probably, eh, I'd I'd give him halfway through the year. He'll probably win a starting spot and get out there and start making sacks. How about the ageless wonder, John Casey? He is the original Panther. I You cannot take anything away from him. I know fans are heartbroken when he missed the final field goal and um, that would have won the game for the Panthers during the Giants game, but I believe he is a boom. He's going to come out there and he's going to contribute and uh, he's going to be accurate once more. Jake DeLome. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say to, about Jake DeLome. I hope he does good. I really do. I, I think I'm going to go ahead and label him a boom, though. Um, he has he has a strong unit around him. You know, you can say whatever you want about Jake DeLome, but you know, he has one of the best receivers in the league, Steve Smith, with him, and he has Moose Muhammad. He has one of the best offensive lines in the league. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and label him a boom. That. 
the Cardinals game was just a big sham. I think he's going to come back, and he's going to have himself a good year. Julius Peppers. So I'm going to go ahead and label him a boom, you know. He's on his contract year, and everybody knows that that's the, that's the time when players come up and they perform their when they smell that money at the end of their contract. So whether Julius Peppers is with us next year or not, I believe he's going to come out and he's going to have himself a good year. One of the weak links on the team last year, any of the Panthers' tight ends. Oh, my God. I don't. I, the thing about the tight ends is that John Fox, I think he prefers them to be second blockers. He, he doesn't. He's not really a big fan of them in the passing game. One player I would like you guys to keep an eye on is Gary Barnage. He started out as a third string uh, tight end last year, and he didn't. He never came up and took the starting spot, but he was really known as a big target from out of college. So I'd go ahead and call a boom on Gary Barnage. I think. Depending on, on whether Dante Rosario comes back on his back injury or not, and whether he's fully recovered, you might see Gary Barnage come out and be a big target for Jake DeLome. And finally, Steve Smith. This is not even a... This is, you don't even ask it, you have to ask about Steve <laughs> Smith. I mean, he's one of the best receivers in the game. You know, all the other elite number one receivers hover around the height of like 6'1", 6'2", something like that. Steve Smith's 5'9". He's playing among the best of them like it's not nothing. Well, Sean, we do appreciate you being with us and uh, taking part not only in, in, in answering some of our questions, but also being a part of the Boom or Bust return. All righty. Thank you. I look forward to speaking to you again, man. Take care. Again, Sean Boyette. Sean Boyette is one of the writers over at CatScratchReader.com. You have searched for the best the Internet can provide. Well, as long as you're here, you may as well stay a while. Welcome back to Cat Crave Radio. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, John White. So did you get whipped last season in your fantasy football league? Please tell me you weren't in a play-for-money league. Well, if you want to change your fantasy football fortunes, visit FantasyCPR.com. All the latest player info and rankings and everything you'll need to dominate your league this season. If you won't do it for yourself, do it for the kids. They're going to need new shoes after school starts. Visit FantasyCPR.com. You know, I nearly missed this one, but at least we'll get these clips in before the start of the season. Let's keep giving the talking heads just enough rope to hang themselves with. Oh. They do that on their own. Well, recently the NFL Network had Marshall Falk and Jason Lockenfora on to talk about the Panthers. First, Falk gave his thoughts on Jake DeLome's fortunes for 2009. All right, and that's the question. We want to know if Jake DeLong is the veteran quarterback that we have seen him capable of being. But I, I just don't believe in Jake after what I saw in the playoff game. And if you just go back to last year and just look at his record throughout the year, I understand. Danny had the year off because of the Tommy John surgery, but you just can't have a 12.3 quarterback rating against the Oakland Raiders, or how about a 38.6 against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Some of those type of performances, when you go out and play, you hurt the, the third-ranked rush offense in this league, and that's what he did. He was more of a playing football for the other team, sort of say, we call that a double agent. Marshall, you're throwing around some bad numbers there, aren't you? Those quarterback ratings are pretty bad, but before you go off the deep end, I want to throw some numbers back at you, okay? Let me provide you some stats on a quarterback who had ratings that were below 50 in three games last season. 
He also had seven games in which he threw multiple interceptions, including two games in which he threw three. His 81 quarterback rating was also nearly four points lower than Jake's 84.7 for the season. Now, he did lead Jake in one critical statistic, interceptions, 22-12. That quarterback? The guy the media loves to love, Brett Favre. If we used two or three games out of any season, including the Arizona playoff loss, to measure a signal caller's worth to their team, Brett Favre would have been out of the league ten years ago. So let's not go writing Jake's career biography just yet, okay? Besides, Jake's team won 12 games to Brett's nine, and while Brett was sitting on his diva butt back in Mississippi, at least Jake's team was in the playoffs. Give Jake a chance to bounce back before you throw him out with the garbage. Next up, Mr. Falk was asked if he thought the Panthers could be the class of the NFC South. I don't think so. You know, when you look at what the New Orleans Saints did, and of course you have to look at what Atlanta and how they performed, the fact that they have a good young quarterback, a franchise quarterback, and Michael Turner to burner, and then... We know this is a quarterback league. They have Atlanta have a really good quarterback, and then Drew Brees over there with the Saints. That's going to be a two-horse race. It'll be very interesting to see what Ron Meeks can do on defense and if Jake DeLong can bounce back and help out that running game. The Falcons? Well, I could almost live with that. But the Saints? I mean, come on. There's been a rumor they'd start playing defense down there since Bum Phillips was in town. Finally, Jason Lockenfora weighed in on how he felt 09 would unfold for Carolina. I think Carolina is always going to be competitive because I'm a bit of a football meathead. I'm kind of old school. If you can beat them up at the O-line and beat them up at the D-line, you're in pretty good shape. And they can do that. I, I like the physical approach on both sides of the ball. They have an identity that's been tried and true. And they have a stable of backs who can grind things down, and they're, they're not afraid to win ugly. So, you know, I think if Del Home can manage games, I think they're going to be in a lot of ball games. It's a tough place to win, that playoff loss aside. I think they'll be in the mix. Let's just hope that everyone inside the Panthers' locker room believes in themselves more than the talking heads do. I want to thank Sean Boyette for joining us this week. You can locate his contributions to Panthers fans at catscratchreader.com. And our thanks once again to Joe Dexter for stopping by to talk some fantasy football with us. He can be located at fantasycpr.com. I'm John White. Thanks for listening. We hope to be back inside of your listening device again next week with another edition of Cat Crave Radio. In a world dominated by media giants and conglomerates, there is a little show that dares to reach for greatness. And we promise to keep reaching as long as there's someone listening. Never fear, CCR will return. Your Panthers crew will return in one week with another assault on the World Wide Web. All material, copyright 2009, Cat Crave Radio. Stand and cheer for the Panthers in our grand old day. Nothing could be finer than to be in Carolina for a Panther football game.